sunshiny day this morning, but it's still um, quiet and peaceful in the house. Perfect time to pause and say something to you. Uh, so today, I wanted to talk about something I had been thinking about um, from our last conversation when I talked about forgiveness and how I said then how it's necessary and it's really a prerequisite to our own freedom. And so as I thought about that, the question arose, why is it so difficult sometimes to forgive? Well, I believe I mentioned before that sometimes and for some people and in some situations, it seems easier to forgive than it does at other times for other people and in other situations. I know uh, that we concluded before that sometimes forgiving changes the entire dynamic of the relationship. Uh, we saw that forgiveness doesn't mean we walk right back into the same abuse or misuse from whoever the person. But in that frame of mind, when we have the frame of mind that uh, says, I forgive you, but I won't let you do that again. Having that mindset, it it's really, we're really walking a fine line between forgiveness and unforgiveness. And um, that fine line, is, that line is razor thin, really it is. Because as long as, now I've experienced this, as long as I had in my heart, it won't happen to me again. Then not only, I'm, I'm kind of setting myself up, um, setting up a hardness, I'll say, in myself that I'm always on the lookout for that happening again. I'm always looking for signs and signals to say, even even if the person changed, I'm still looking for some indication of the same situation to make sure it doesn't happen again. And so I'm really, really not walking in freedom. And then to keep that energy behind not letting it happen again not allowing that to happen to me again, in order to keep that energy, I've got to keep in mind what happened before, right? I'm not, it's, it's a difference in um, being watchful, being wise, and walking in unforgiveness, okay? There is a difference. And there's a way to be watchful and to be wise and to look for or to to notice, be aware, watchful, wise, and aware of what's going on in any given situation because you will begin to recognize things, you know. You'll recognize um, patterns, for example, or um, instances. You'll recognize, oh, wait a minute, red flags, Things that have taken place before that may have steered um, whatever the other relationship or situation is. The things have taken place before that have steered it in the direction that it went in. But when we're walking in forgiveness, what I'm doing, I'm sorry, when I'm walking in unforgiveness, what I'm doing is replaying the old situation. 
and everything that I see in the new situation that looks like that, I'm ready to guard and combat it. So walking that fine line, my thought is what makes it so hard to forgive at times? Well, let me tell you about a situation that occurred for me recently. Um, a while ago, there was a person uh, in my life who was in need of some assistance. She needed she needed her own home, and um, she was in a not so favorable situation. And I went to her. I collected her and her belongings, and I brought her to my home to stay until she found her own home. So this woman and I have known each other for a very long time. The length of our relationship would say that it could be in a better place than it is. Uh, We could be a lot closer than we really are. But for one reason or another, we're not. So this person was staying in my home with the understanding that that she would be looking for her own place. All right. Well, after a while, I started to feel like it was definitely time for her to go. Tensions were arising and frustrations were mounting. So I felt that, you know, it would be best that you, I don't know, that we expedite the process, I guess, you know, speed it up so that you can, you know, go ahead and move into your own place. And so I began to um, say that to her and, and, you know, kind of gently nudge, trying to gently nudge and encourage the moving forward so you could be in your own space, your own, you know, what have you. So it wasn't happening, the moving. So one day I was feeling quite frustrated, but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want the frustration of what I was feeling to come through. So I just started writing. Now, up until this point, I had been praying and asking God how to handle this. Like I said, I had been uh, gently nudging and helping out a little bit, you know, here and there, suggesting places and um, nothing was happening. So I'd have been asking, I had been asking God, um, you know, how do I handle this? What do I do? And, And I hadn't heard anything from him. I didn't believe I had heard anything uh, that satisfied um, my urgency, (laughs) we'll say that. So at the peak of frustration on this particular day, instead of opening my mouth, like I said, I started to write. And I just wrote down the question um, that I had asked several times before, why won't you say anything, Father. And then I thought, well, maybe he has spoken and I just didn't hear him. And then that thought brought on the thought of maybe he spoke and I did hear it and he said something that I didn't want to hear. 
And then I thought, um, what did I even want God to say or do? I mean, really, I was sitting there frustrated because I felt like he wasn't saying anything. And I was asking how to handle this situation. And I wasn't hearing anything. And one thought led to another. And maybe he had said something and I didn't want to hear what he had said. But really, what did I, what was I looking for him to say? I had already expressed that this is what I see. This is what I feel as the priestess in my home. I don't have a covering right now as in a husband. So as the head of my house, this is what I believe needs to be done. And so God wouldn't um, oppose that. So what was I looking for him to say? And at that point, it occurred that maybe you need to do more than just pray <laughs> about her leaving. Maybe you need to get involved. Maybe you need to help her. Look into her finances or look at what she's, find out what she's looking for, where she's wanting to go and what she has toward getting where she wants to be. And, and it occurred to me <laughs> that I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be involved in it like that. And then came the question, why not? Why don't you want to be more involved in really helping her? And I realized that that would require just in that communicating and talking and I'm and I'm when I say talking I'm saying literally opening my mouth and saying something to this person and not just saying I need you to go why don't you want to talk um calmly rationally gently in a helpful way why don't you want to talk um this is deep <laughs> this is deep cuz i want you to understand what i'm saying when i say i realized i didn't want to talk i'm not just talking about specific conversation i'm talking about any conversation I have realized about myself that I'm a very cut off type of person. Cut it off. Like, like, <laughs> it's iced, you know? Like, um, when a relationship is done, it doesn't matter the level of relationship. When it's done, I'm done. And there's no, there's nothing else, you know? There's nothing else to go beyond just my doneness. Yes, that's my word. Word for the day, doneness. But um, that's not good. Now, I've, I have, even in the divorce, it's, it's final, it's over, it's been over for several years now. Um, 
my ex-husband has moved on and he's married again. But we still communicate. We still in friendly, friendly communication. We still, when we do hear from each other, we can still laugh together and, you know. So when I think about the doneness in this situation, it's eye-opening in that externally I want to be done. But internally, there's still something there that would keep me from being able to be in the same headspace as, say, with my ex-husband where we can laugh and joke with each other and talk like, you know, like everything is everything, like we're old friends, which we are. Why can't I be at that place with this person? I didn't want to communicate. I didn't want the level of communication to go any deeper than where it had been And for some years, I say only as much as I need to say. Hmm. So I started to see that and that um, sparked the realization that there needed to be some healing to take place. That realization came because I was heavily annoyed at just the thought of a deeper level of communication. I mean, it just, I was just thinking about it and I'd be, I was ew, annoyed, irritated. So the real question was, why did it bother me so much just thinking about spending more time with this woman? And when I let that question settle, you know, you can have passing thoughts. You ever heard of a passing thought? Like a thought pops and you just brush it off and keep going. It could be good, bad, or indifferent. You brush it off and keep going. Sometimes I find that I have done that when it's the Holy Spirit bringing a thought. I brush it off and keep going. And thank God for his faithfulness because he will bring it back. But when I let that thought settle in my mind, why am I so bothered when I think about having to spend more time with this woman? When I let that thought settle, I heard the word disdain, D-I-S-D-A-I-N. To feel disdain for something or someone, it means to consider them unworthy, them or it, unworthy of consideration or respect. To think of another person or a thing as unworthy of consideration or respect. It means to hold contempt for a thing or a person. So what hit me hard is when I looked at the definition and it said to consider another person unworthy of respect. 
And I thought, oh my God, I don't respect her. So the next question, why did I feel that way about her? That kind of hurt. Because I didn't see it in myself. I saw it in other people who know the same woman. How they speak to her and disrespect her. But I didn't see it in myself. And so when I thought of the lack of respect. Why? Why do I lack respect for her? So I had to go down a whole nother rabbit hole. When I did ask the question, how and why could I consider her as unworthy of respect or consideration, I realized that I had not forgiven her for a lot of hurtful things, hurtful words, acts, behaviors over the many years of our relationship. There had been betrayal. There was physical pain, emotional abuse. And I hadn't forgiven that. But if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, could I really justify seeing her as unworthy of respect or consideration? Could I justify having that feeling about somebody? Because if Jesus, if you recall, when, when he was beat... Right. He was tortured after the beating. So the beating was torture in itself. But even after the beating, there was more torture. He was beaten beyond recognition, the Bible describes. And then after they beat him, they tortured him when they placed the crown of thorns on his already bloody and bruised head. A crown of thorns and they pressed it down in his head so that it wouldn't move. So they stuck spikes, little spikes of wood down into his head in this crown that they had fashioned. That was after they beat him with a cat of nine tails. That's a a whip with strips on it. And at the end of each strip, it's metal shavings um, tied into the strips so that when the Strips of leather land on the skin. The metal claws hook into the skin. And when they snatch the whip back, it rips the skin. He had already gone through all that. Then they press the crown of thorns down on his head. And they spit on him and they give him vinegar for water. So even after all of that, and then, and then they put him on the cross. And they drive pegs through his it wasn't through his hand it was through right there at the wrist where the hand and the wrist meet that's where it went through it couldn't have gone through the hand this is a whole nother I'm off in left field but it couldn't have gone through the hand because the bible says the prophecy concerning him was that not one bone in his body would be broken so if they had driven this stake and it was the size, it was like a, a railroad. It would be like the size of a railroad stake. You know, the pins that they put in the railroad. That are, those are not nails, like, you know, that you tack up a wall with. 
it couldn't have gone through the hand because it would have broken the bones that are in the hand, right? So it had to go right there at the juncture between the wrist and the hand, the bottom of the hand, right in between there, right after that bone, in between those two bones. That's where the stakes went for both arms and then through his feet. After they did all of that, the Bible says in Luke 23 and 34 that he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They don't know what they're doing. So, if I'm supposed to follow him, he's not asked me to get up on the cross, thankfully. <laughs> but I definitely can't see another person, consider another person unworthy of respect. If he can ask for forgiveness for the people who were putting him through that, what was he expecting from me? So the question arose, what makes me more worthy? I've hurt some people in my life. I've betrayed some people in my life. And I've let some people down. Everything that this woman had done to me in the past, emotionally, I had done in one situation or another to somebody else. So what made me more worthy than her? The answer is pride. Pride. P-R-I-D-E. Friends, pride is a danger, dangerous place to walk in. It's a dangerous heart. It's a dangerous mind. There's a difference in being proud of something and um, feeling a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction and excitement and eagerness toward accomplishments that's different that's not the pride that we're talking about i'm talking about the pride that has the audacity to have disdain for another person the pride that has the audacity audacity to think myself better than someone else the pride that has the nerve to not see another person worthy of forgiveness, but then want it for myself. The Bible says in James chapter 4 and verse 6 that God sets himself against the proud. The Bible says he gives mercy to the humble, but he sets himself against the proud. This kind of pride is when I think it's my goodness or it's my education or it's my know-how that gets me to where I am. It's my prowess or it's of my own doing that I wake up in the morning. This is the kind of pride that says, I did this for myself. I did. I gave me breath to breathe, you know. 
the kind of pride, honestly, that I was facing in this person that says, I'm going to treat you the way I want to treat you in your home. That kind of pride, okay? The kind of pride that says, I'm going to be like the Most High God, and I'm going to exalt my throne above his throne. That kind of pride. That's what Satan said. That's what Lucifer said before he was kicked out of the heavens. And what hurt so bad in that moment of awareness and enlightenment is that I had been walking in pride all this time. So I, I did pray and I repented and God showed me some other things that were in my heart concerning the reason why I had not forgiven fully, right? I realized this. Sometimes it's hard to forgive because where we really need to forgive lies deeper than what we see in front of us. What I mean is this. I said in the beginning, this woman and I have many years um, of knowing each other. So our relationship is is very old relationship or um, let me see, long-standing relationship, right? And I said that there were some betrayals and other things that had happened in this relationship. And I realized that some of those things were so suppressed that I had forgotten about them, right? So present day where things were and, and how things were happening, I'm struggling to forgive those things that are visible that are that I can see struggling to forgive them because they're deeper things there are things that were embedded that are that are suppressed or that were suppressed and covered up under a lot of other things a lot of um things that I thought didn't matter anymore didn't bother me anymore because they had been suppressed but there is still residue there was still residue of, like I mentioned, those past disappointments and betrayals and hurtful words and whatever it was, that stuff was still there. I found some time ago that it's easy to think we walk in forgiveness that out of sight, out of mind takes precedent. And it's easy to think that I've forgiven someone of something because it feels that I've forgotten about it. I have realized that those are the things that the enemy is going to bring up, bring back to remembrance at a more opportune time. And this is what was happening in this case. So I realize when I'm struggling to forgive an offense that I'm in essence considering that person to be unworthy of forgiveness. But remember, Matthew 6 tells us that if we don't forgive others, God won't forgive us. If we don't forgive others of their trespasses, of their betrayals, hurtful words, and all of that, if we don't forgive other people for doing those things to us, then God won't forgive us. And it doesn't say he won't forgive us for doing the very same thing. It says he won't forgive us, period. So 
We can't allow the enemy to trick us into thinking, well, they said something to hurt me and I don't say things to hurt people or they stole money from me and I don't steal. So but he didn't say, if you forgive a person for stealing from you, I'll forgive you from stealing for stealing. Instead, he's saying, you forgive a person for stealing from you and I'm going to forgive you for whatever it is that you've done to me. We talked in the beginning about those willful acts, things that we've done that we knew were wrong. We knew we shouldn't have done it. We did it anyway. Listen, I have said this before. Well, having sex without being married, the Bible says when a person has sex outside of marriage, they sin against their own body. So, I sinned against my own body when I did that. So, I don't, you know, but I sinned against God because the Bible also says that the body is the temple of the Lord. So if I sin against my own body, I sin against the temple and the temple is his. All I was doing was trying to word my way, W-O-R-D, word my way into justification of what I had done. So I need him or I needed him if he hasn't already. I pray he has, but... If he hasn't already, I need him to forgive me of what I did when I was in that mindset. So I need to forgive this person. I'm thankful that as long as we are breathing, we have an opportunity to forgive and be forgiven. So with that, friends, I just want to remind you that I am soliciting open dialogue. I want to hear from you. I want to hear your thoughts. I would like to pray with you if you need prayer. And so I've opened up a few methods of communication. You can always reach me at aremnantworship.com or singwithme.com. That's open for questions. You can find new music there um, as songs are released. You can send in concerns. You can make a donation there if your heart leads you to do so. You can find out about upcoming events on the website. You can also follow me on Instagram at Remnant Nation Worship. Um, I will warn you that Remnant Nation Worship is a private page, so you will have to request to follow. You can also email at now sing with me, the number 222 at gmail.com. And I invite questions, your concerns, your prayer requests. And I look forward to hearing from you. So until we meet again, whatever time of day it is in your day, make it a great day.